Big Weekend Gaming, a podcast that dives into gaming news, analysis, and reviews. If you'd like to help contribute to the growth of this podcast and community, please leave us a five-star review, as it helps people find us. With that said, let's get on with the show. Shut up! Big Week's on the radio! Shut up! It's Gaming Park Studio! Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot, he's Sweeney, for episode 6 on Sunday the 23rd of August. This week we'll be discussing DC's Fandom announcements, Nintendo's Indie World Showcase, and Sweeney's Swimpressions of the new Battletoads game. And before we kick off, I just want to plug that if you do want to help us grow this podcast, please ensure that put a five-star review uh, for the podcast. Uh, that, that's the best way for people to find us. Uh, with that uh, shameless shilling to ourselves, Swinney, <laughs> how's your week been? Oh, week has been pretty good. I've uh, been playing a lot Any more Any big things happen this week for you? Any big things? No? What, what, are, you, what, are, you, <laughs> what are you trying to, like, frame me for? I don't understand. Nothing. Nothing. Just any big events or anything happen? No, we're stuck okay. at home. What what can what can possibly happen at the moment? You know, in our you know in our daily lives, outside of obviously you know the big happenings in the industry, what could possibly happen? We're we're stuck no, at home. Nothing big. Nothing big in my world. <laughs> so let me throw the question back to you, Indigot. You've had a quiet week. Yeah, pretty quiet week. You know, very excited about a uh, new Batman movie. Getting, you know, the trailer, Suicide Squad, movie and game, had a baby, you know, lots of stuff happening. <laughs> I am. Just, you know, throw that last one in there like it's, uh, you know, less important than uh, DC fandom. Well, it's definitely not more important than that. But, um, you know, just like briefly on it, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I had this word for our baby. I think it's the most courteous baby I've ever heard of in my life <laughs> and now what i mean by that yeah courteous or like thoughtful <laughs> or something so he like is insane like you know if, if a baby doesn't cry it's not a good sign if it's crying all the time it's probably not that great of a sign either the thing is with him he he'll like cry like quite softly at the start to tell you and he's got very distinct cries uh, you know, whether he wants to get changed or something's not right. Um, or if he wants to feed, that's a different cry as well. But he'll start like in a really like low volume. Like he's kind of just going, Hey, come on, come on guys. I need a feed, you know, stop slacking. You know, it's been three, four hours. Help me out here. It's amazing. And then you go do it and he settles straight away. He's like, it's seriously insane, man. We're so blessed. And you know, I'm sure it's going to change <laughs> really quickly, but, um, Don't say that. you'll curse yourself. Nah, look, like, you know what? Like, the the key thing is that if it's at the start and that's just the way it works, it's great. You know, it's, um, you know, it's just, it, it's a blessing to have it really easy at the start because the first week can be really, really, really tough to adjust. Uh, so he's helped us really transition into our second baby, which is really exciting. Um, and yeah, it, it probably catch me in a year whether we try to go again, but, you know, two's awesome. Like, you know, it's... Go it's again. It's like, 
It's like a you're at like a theme park. Oh, we want to have another go. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's go on I like uh, Act, I like Activision. I like another COD game. Yeah, well, let's go again. Let's get, let's get another out. It's like the whole yeah yearly sequel uh, structure, and then you know suddenly you're like Assassin's Creed. We're yeah, going to exactly. take a year off. We're going to take a year off. We're going to come back, and it's going to have RPG elements. I was, you probably won't understand this, but I actually uh, said to one of my mates that, um, you know, the new baby, he's he's quite coachable. Th- does that make any sense to you? Oh, that's, that's, the, that's the corporate intergot coming through. <laughs> no, no, no. It's actually from footy. It's from mostly AFL, what, what I've heard it, but I'm not sure if it's in other codes. But basically, it means like there's certain players that are coachable. It's like you can sit them down, you can do things, and they respond really quickly. And it's like even if they're not that great, they will always become great because they respond to the feedback. And I think he's a bit like that. It's like you do something and you set something up, and he responds to it really well. And then you sort of you know he's happy, we're happy, it's all good. So can I yeah. ask you a question? And this applies to you know to to both of your your kids. Mm. If they choose to start supporting a a an AFL team other than Collingwood. No, 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 no. No. Like I, no, no, no. It's unacceptable. So, like, <laughs> and I'm not even like kidding. So, you know, for everyone who listens, I'm a huge, huge, insane fan of Collingwood Magpies. It's a AFL football team. Uh, you know, started in uh, 1892. It's a long storied history. Like to the point where, like, I've literally cried like watching them lose games. Like it's so insane. Uh, <laughs> but. I, I know I, you know, people think I'm nuts, but I genuinely like do not care if he's gay, straight, trans, Muslim, Buddhist, Christian, atheist, whatever. Like for me, the one thing he can't change is he has to be a Collingwood fan. Both of them. Oh, like man. it's just, it's a choice. It's a complete, like the thing is from my perspective, it's completely arbitrary choice. All those other things are like driven by who you are and all this other stuff it's a made-up game it's all made up so you just got to go for the team that your family goes for and everyone in my family goes for collingwood so they have to go for collingwood i'd rather them not what What happens if they choose to follow another thing do they get disowned no but i'd be pretty upset to be honest (laughs) yeah it's funny because my my dad was a a, a st kilda supporter Mm. and us us three kids we we all uh supported essendon (laughs) <laughs> and I, I have no idea where that came from. And to this day, even though I'm not definitely don't follow the AFL anymore, but yeah. I'm still an Essendon supporter. While um, my siblings ended up kind of you know going towards navigating or towards the teams that their partners uh, support, yeah. like you know Richmond and things like that. So I'm still st- stuck supporting Essendon in a very you know like lapsed manner. But yeah, and I still don't know why. I still don't know where it came from. But what? at least, at least I'm not going to force it upon my children. <laughs> yeah, but it's a bit different. Like for me and my family, it's almost like a religion. It's the closest thing to religion in our family. Like we've had huge fights about it. We've like, yeah, it's been nuts. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it honestly. And people have asked me because they know how nuts I am about it. I I don't mind if he goes for anything else outside of Collingwood. Like, uh, you know, he has to go for Collingwood if in. You know, NFL and all these other sports I follow, it doesn't bother me if he goes for other teams. Just Collingwood. Like, I'd rather him not even follow or either of them follow the AFL than go for another team and be really into that. That would just so, that would bug me so much. Because it's also, you've got to remember, like, if you finally win the premiership, 
then you want to celebrate with your kids, you know? Like, you want to... It's a family affair. Like, that. that's awesome kind of thing to happen. So, you know... I, I, not that I'm, I'm wishing, you know, horrible things upon you and your family, but <laughs> I would love a what-if scenario when your kids are older where they have actually chosen to support another team and their team beats Collingwood in the oh, grand final. I know. Uh, that that I would know. be a fly-on-the-wall moment there. Well, you know, it almost happened because... My wife, she goes for Collingwood, like pretty much what you're saying. She didn't really have a team and then she kind of got roped into going for Collingwood. But she grew up in Sydney, whereas I grew up in Melbourne. So she does have a bit of an affinity with the the local team, the uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants, to a point where she cried when they lost a game against the Western Bulldogs because she was so upset about it. So I kind of think she's almost like very like veering on going for the Giants. Uh, either that or she has, quote-unquote, two teams, which you're not allowed to have in the AFL, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you're not allowed to have. No. You're saying, you're saying things are arbitrary, and, but then there's this <laughs> specific rule that you're not allowed to have two teams. No, it's arbitrary to choose the one team you're allowed to choose. You're, n- you're not allowed to choose more than one team. I like how we mentioned that I have... <laughs> And just had a new baby. And I feel like I was spending all the time talking about the rules of him following the AFL. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I don't think this does kind of apply into the segue. Um, so the DC fandom and, and why I sort of say it, it applies in a segue. So my understanding of this lead up to this event, very much as a response to, hey, we don't have a physical Comic-Con, Comic-Con, sorry, this year. Um so, like, rather than just going through Comic-Con's uh, online presence, which a lot of companies pulled out of, DC, I think smartly, to be honest, said, no, we'll have our own event. Now, you know, I've got all the clippings of this, and I won't bother showing them in the YouTube clips or going through them on the podcast here, but, you know, they said very explicitly in the FAQs that it's going to be shown live, it's going to be interactive. They even had, like, keyboard controls, and and again, I've got all of these screenshots because I couldn't believe it. I thought this is so odd. And they said, you know, if you do not watch it live, can I watch it later? And it says, no, you have to watch it live or you don't get another opportunity. So I went crazy and I was like, oh shit, this is like really annoying because I've got a baby and I've got to sort out some times to watch this and, you know, apply it from an Australian context and all this other kind of stuff. And there was an event in our, you know, overnight, which was 3 a.m. our time and the VODs just went live on YouTube straight away. And I was like, oh, okay. So I don't need to watch it. Like when it is live, <laughs> I can just watch it on YouTube. So yeah, like offline, I pinged you about it. But did you think this whole thing was odd or like the way they were kind of setting it and structuring it? Well, I I knew it was going to happen. Um, <laughs> you, so to I be fair, you did. No, to so be I fair, you did say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have minded doing it, but the fact is... Look, I know with a lot of Comic Con stuff, when they show, oh, here's a here's a teaser for the new, um, you know, Marvel film or whatever. A lot of those stuff don't come out right away, or you'll mm. get some dodgy um, mobile camera footage or something like that. But when it comes to video games, the only time that I've known where they will show something to a select audience and it's not then, um, at least in modern times, uh, then distributed by like YouTube and that, is when they have press back um you know behind the scenes press um i guess uh you know events at e3 
for the press mm. specifically. So they had Cyberpunk where they showed like a 20 minute demo to the press and that that demo didn't come out for quite a few months afterwards. So other than that, when it comes to trailers and things like that, they generally always come out at the same time, if not very soon after. Mm. Um, and the thing is, I these two, the two big game announcements, um, I wasn't so much invested in them that I was going to go and, and sign up and give them my details and stuff. So I just said, I'm just going to, just take a a, a, uh, a guess on this, and if they don't release it, <laughs> then I'm going to rely on you to tell me about oh, it. Oh, thanks. So I, I specifically <laughs> called out to you to say, to, like, watch it, and then you didn't. No, because I knew that they put the trailers <laughs> up. I knew they put the trailers yeah, up. Yeah, but you didn't know that. So you're in t- you, you should have lied just then. This is, this is bothering so much. I, I actually got the FAQs out and live, so I can see. <laughs> see them it literally says it goes if you don't watch it during the 24 hours you will miss it unless you you have access to time travel and and there's all this stuff about like you know literally had keyboard controls and references to unity 3d and i i logged into dc fandom and i couldn't see any of that like also there was no actual interactive no no oh wow okay it was really weird. It was just like a video feed when I logged in. And I actually was like questioning myself. I was trying to find it online and then, you know, check streamers. I, maybe I've done it wrong, but yeah, it just didn't seem to be what I thought it was going to be. So, because it just turned out to be a stream in the end. And I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, like See, I I'm... actually think it would have been clever if they made it so that you could only go on there and then strike down people who tried to upload it. Like, I actually think that's a smart idea. I'd be interested if someone does that one time. I knew the game trailers would would get out there very quickly. I didn't know about the movie stuff though. So, mm. but you know, for the purpose of this, of this podcast, uh, the movie stuff didn't worry me as much. So. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And as we normally do, we usually go into the biggest story. Uh, and then the biggest story in this case, for me, in terms of big wig topical stuff from the DC fandom is suicide squad. We finally have a, an official proper announcements of trailers around it quite exciting so english developer rocksteady studios creator creator of the much celebrated batman arkham series including three mainline entries and the vr spin-off and now tackling sort of a new ip in suicide squad uh and the full title of this game is suicide squad kill the justice league as everyone suspected um so we only saw a trailer in the dc fandom but there was quite a few um clarifications from the head of or one of the co-founders, uh, Sefton Hill from Rocksteady, just on certain things and how they'd actually work. So now we know the game's coming out in 2022 on PC and only on next gen, so PS5 and Xbox Series X. I hope people don't ask whether it's coming on the Switch, because it won't be unless it's a new Switch. Um, it is set in an open world metropolis, which is really, really cool, in my opinion. Uh, the characters so far that we know, Harlequin, Dead, uh, dead shot, sorry, uh, King Shark and Australia's own uh, Captain Boomerang. And one of the tidbits uh, before I sort of just get your thoughts, and there's some other stuff that we'll chat about, is that it's actually a continuation of the Batman Arkham verse, which I thought was, yeah, really interesting. It's not how I sort of interpreted it when I was watching the trailer. What did, what did you think? First of all, this was a really good trailer. Um, oh, yeah. And. and can we should we tackle that now or in the overall thoughts? Because the trailers for all these DC fandom things, including the movie trailers, 
I was like, wow, this is just like 10 out of 10 trailers. Like, they're so good, <laughs> the trailers. Yeah, well, I did... Yeah, I did watch the, I guess, the trailer for, you know, the movie stuff. So the ones you've referenced here about the music choices specifically. Mm. Um, I don't know if I thought that the choice of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah for the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League was as good as, as you no, mentioned. No, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let me break all these things down. Number one, <clears throat> and we're going way off a sidetrack already. Um, B.O.B., Bombs Over Baghdad from Outcast. I love that song so much that I actually learned how to sing it, like rap it. And it's quite a quick song, especially at the start um, with Andre 3000's verse. I love that song so much. When I could hear the first few notes of it in this trailer for Suicide Squad, I was like so amped up. And I will defend the Leonard Cohen thing with the Schneider car because it is so camp. It is such such camp to have Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah <laughs> over the back of <laughs> Suicide Oh, sorry, um, what's it called? Um, Justice League. That to me, that's perfect Schneider to have no, Leonard it, Cohen. It's, it's just so ridiculous. It's perfect Schneider, but it's unintentional Schneider. No, but that's like, what's so beautiful about it. That's why I love it. And then we have uh, Nirvana, something in the way with the Batman trailer. I'm like, this is just like, I love it. It's like depressing, uh, don't have any feelings. Good. That was good because God, they, because, so um, that the melody of that, the very slow melody, they mm. kind of made it a bit. It wasn't. It, it was a bit synthy, and it kind of was a bit like, um, yeah, like very, very. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but almost like Halloween, like horror movie kind of synthy to it. And I thought it was actually that was actually really good. Um, that trailer itself, you know, when we're not talking about the movie stuff, but. Um, yeah. That trailer was interesting. Oh, it was cool. It's very gothic almost. Mm. Like, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, it was a cool, cool trailer. Good trailers all around. And, you know, we're only going to mention the video game stuff, but yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. And, you know, I think one thing we should also point out, just so people understand our maybe bias, I don't think we're very biased in general, but for me personally, I've always preferred DC. Like, if I asked you this question, if you could only have DC IPs or Marvel IPs, which one would you choose? Um, just IPs in general, like so, doesn't matter what the film, TV, correct, comic or anything. Correct, correct. So if you pick DC, it means you never have any Avengers movies, games, comics, X-Men, that's all gone. And then I'd, have, I'd have to go with Marvel for very one very particular yeah. reason, which is X-Men. That's why. Sure. See, I would pick DC. And I, I kind of knew that you were going to say Marvel, because I'd definitely lean more DC. You'd probably lean more Marvel. You know, the, obviously the Marvel movies are better, you know, movies on, like, you know, like from a consensus point of view, but I still love the IP from DC and just the tone of DC in general, but... But getting back to Suicide Squad... Yes. Um, <laughs> what do you think so, of this game? And the fact that it was like a cinematic trailer, not a gameplay trailer. So, I, that's, the, that's the one thing I was going to say about the trailer is that it was a really good trailer, but for how long this game... Has been rumored to be in development, and the fact that Rockstar—it's been so long between, you know, large projects for them—it is quite disappointing that they didn't have any kind of gameplay at all. Thankfully, mm. the trailer was good, though. So if oh, the so trailer—if the trailer was kind of average, then I think you'd really notice the, you know, the lack of gameplay uh, more so. But I—it's interesting. I'm 
I won't say that I'm super pumped for the game just because, um, you know, it's maybe not as much my thing as as other people. But I think for people that love uh, the Arkham games, and it, I think it's it's really good, and I'm looking forward to seeing what it actually plays like. Mm. And, you know, I, I think you're right about um, this game, and now the fact that it's actually going to come out in 2022, so that marks maybe about six years since their latest, latest release, which would have been um, the VR version, well, not VR version, but the Batman VR experience and game. Like, I, I kind of wonder if they just were like, they want the game to be as close to the cinematic trailer as possible. Do you think that's what they're kind of going for a little bit? And then maybe they've pulled back and said, you know what, we don't want to have a gameplay trailer because we don't want to be accused later of doing like an anthem or something like that. I actually think the reason is because of Gotham Knights. So, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, the games do sound quite different in many ways. Like, first of all, this is a wonderful player co-op game. And even if you don't have co-op players, it's going to fill them in with, you know, like CPU squad mates that you can swap between, mm. which is very different than what Gotham Knights, which we'll get into next, mm. is is doing. But I think that, if they had, if they showed the gameplay off of this, considering this is um, exclusively next gen title, whereas mm. Gotham Knights is going to be on current gen and next gen, I reckon that it, you know, not so much that they would have looked very similar, more so that Gotham Knights probably would have looked worse than it would have otherwise if they'd actually shown gameplay of this alongside at the same time, essentially in the same event. I think that's one of the reasons why, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why they chose to just do a cinematic one for this. And then, uh, you know, with Gotham Knights, they did a, a kind of a bit of a mix. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I didn't go away from it thinking, oh, you know, where's the gameplay? You know, like I felt very satisfied personally just to see it announced and kind of see the tone of what they want from the game and you know even the part because superman turns up and it's like a dark version of superman he actually kills a pilot that he supposedly saved which kind of you know puts an interesting spin on the tone of the actual game maybe that you know all the good guys quote unquote all the justice league have been you know taken over or something's happened to them right um but you know that point around you know, what do you do and how do you present it? Like, I do think it's interesting and you probably need to look forward and go, if you put out gameplay now and the game's still maybe two years away, maybe even longer, what what are you going to do next? You know, and you've probably seen a lot of games suffer from that where they've actually put out gameplay and then it's two, three years later and you're like, uh, uh, like, is that game coming? You know, like Beyond Good and Evil 2. Like, that's, that's years old now, that gameplay footage. And it, it, I, I don't know, I think it does get a bit weird if you do that. Um, so probably, yeah, it probably makes sense. And I certainly didn't feel like I was missing anything there. I thought it was really surprising when I saw that it was a one to four player co-op game. And to your point, you know, getting filled by bots. I, I always get nervous about those games, though. I, like, I, you know, can you think of any recent examples of games like that where it's worked well? where you have a co-op, predominantly co-op game, but the bots actually work well? Because that's what I worry about in this game. I mean, I guess you've got games like uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands where you, you know, you have 
AI teammates a lot in that game. Mm. And that game, it ended up actually being that you, just by, you know, directing them and using uh, either drones and things like that, the game actually was quite, apparently quite easy because of that. But yeah. I don't think, and I guess also, sorry, uh, Metal, Metal Gear Solid Five. Uh, it wasn't a, so much a squad, but you had um, a companion that you could choose to bring along missions that had different abilities and things like that. I think it were, it makes sense for this game um, simply because it they the whole thing is they are a squad and they will often not do things by themselves. You know, like as in, it's kind of the whole focus is that they're teaming up to do this. And also, it makes sense considering that you know, not that every level is going to be having them taking on um, Superman or someone of that power level, but it makes sense that they have to be a team to for it to narratively make sense why they're actually able to potentially take these people down. Yeah. So, and almost individually, they're not kind of like hyper-powered super villains, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think Harlequin to me, would ever be like a solo supervillain, you know, like being able to sort of build a whole game around that. Like it kind of wouldn't make sense to me in this kind of Arkhamverse when you've got the Justice League, where they're, to me, a bit more like powerful one for one, if that makes any sense. So I I do think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I just, I think it's something to look for where, you know, how well the game will, will work if you are playing more like a single player style, which often like is what I would do because I don't normally play these games on launch. And by the time I get into them, it's sort of like, you know, even you guys, you might not be, you know, that keen to play it, you know, two, three years later, <laughs> like in co-op, like maybe you will, maybe you won't. Right. But I, normally I another, that's a launch thing. I guess another game that I could probably in my head, you know, it's probably not going to play the same, but I just think the Mass Effect games. So they're very mm. focused on companions and having very minimal control over those companions. But the difference here is that you're able to swap between them. And I think that could actually end up being really cool. So, mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking about the co-op, it actually does link in with uh, the next game, which was the other major game in the DC fandom, Gotham Knights. Uh, so, yeah, quite interesting. So WB Games Montreal, who I think personally, and I'm not sure if you share this view, but I think they've been very maligned for their prequel entry, Bark, uh, Batman Arkham Origins, which I thought was a good game. But, you know, it's almost like people try to make it seem like that doesn't even exist in the Arkham series of games. Uh, Gotham Knights, long rumored, teased many times for about a year now, or over a year, uh, set in the Batman universe, and does incorporate a new entry to Batman's Rogues Gallery, which is the Court of Owls, which was also uh, heavily rumored and then also teased that. So again, here we actually had the trailer and the gameplay footage. And as we called out in the last segment, coming out in 2021, but it is coming out on PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and then also PC, not Switch. Don't think it will be coming out on Switch. Um, and yeah, like I thought this was a really cool trailer as well. And, and the trailer actually opens with Batman is dead. Uh, what were your impressions of the trailer and the, the gameplay footage? So the trailer didn't sell me much at all honestly oh, um wow okay yeah go on go on oh just because i'm you know i'm several games behind in uh, the arkham games alone and so it was it took it didn't kind of hook me also i don't have a lot of um you know knowledge or connection to 
essentially any of the characters that which is you know what Batgirl, oh, okay. Nightwing, Red Hood, and uh, Robin, and obviously it's, it's simple. Can I can I can I break it down to you? In there, but <laughs> can I break it down to you? Nightwing used to be Robin. Red Hood used to be Robin. Robin is Robin. <laughs> There's many others who are Robin. <laughs> okay, so you don't know those characters that well. No, well, I know of them, but yeah. I can't say I've sat there. Like, my knowledge, essentially, of Batman has generally come from uh, the films. Ah, okay. Obviously, they don't really Robin cover those in the films, But, much. like, Nightwing, you know, like, I can't remember if, for instance... The the Robin that was in uh, was a Batman Forever, you know that that loved Batman film um, was <laughs> was Dick Grayson or someone else, or you know I don't think it was Jason Todd, but um, no, it was Dick Grayson. I think what I, what I was going to say is while the trailer didn't really hook me, I actually quite liked the gameplay uh, footage. I think it was like an eight minute gameplay uh, video that they had where they ran through a mission. Um, there was a I believe in. Uh, Mr. Freeze's uh, storyline. Yep. That was yeah. actually interesting to watch. And I'm glad that they kind of did show you that there is still some stealth in this because I was very worried that, you know, I I loved the stealth in Arkham Asylum. Mm. And stealth has always been one of my favorite gameplay mechanics. And it's good that even though it is, it does support two-player co-op, it doesn't mean that you can't do stealth, and but I also I guess it depends on the character you choose. Yeah, and I think as opposed to Suicide Squad, it seems like this the co op part is not as integral, but it does support like the whole game does support two player co op. But it you know they kind of made it clear that you're very much a single player game. A lot of the gameplay footage was just the single player, like it wasn't you know the multiple players on the screen or anything like that. Um, and you know, weirdly enough, like for me, this game so far, I'm like, wow, this is just a successor or a link into the Arkham universe or the Arkham games, I should say. But the thing is after the presentations, they came out and made it really clear that this is not a successor or in the Arkham series and Suicide Squad is, which I thought is like really weird. And I'm not sure if that's a you know, Rocksteady throwing their weight around a little bit, which can happen in these kind of situations, where they're a bit like, hey, you know, Arkham is our baby and our thing that we've really driven, so we'll continue those storylines and you can do something that's off in the distance, which is, you know, punctuated by the whole Batman is dead. And by the way, can I just say, Batman is dead. I I, I give it a 95% chance you can play or Batman is in this game as a character later in the in the in the game. I don't think you'd be able to play as him, but I think he'll be in it. Yeah, he's going to be in there. I'll almost say 99% chance he's going to be in there. Maybe just to play as him, I'd give it maybe 70% chance. And it could be a five-minute segment. But you'll play as Batman at some point. But um, I, Probably the thing that most interested me about this was um, the whole Court of Owls thing. That, mm. thing, that does seem... It, anytime you've got an intriguing narrative hook... Um, you know, it's going to get you more invested in potentially playing the game. So that did seem interesting to me. Um, so we'll see whether or not it ends up, uh, you know, handing out to actually be a great game or not. Yeah. And, you know, as opposed to you, like, I actually really loved the trailer. Like, I loved everything about this. Like, this actually made me really, really hyped for this game. Like, I love the trailer. I love the gameplay footage. I've played a lot of the Arkham series. I love those games. You know, a plug for our um, 
game of some other year segment, you know, we'll be covering one of the Arkham games, uh, you know, in the considerations for game of some other year. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just think to me, it just looked like more Arkham and I'm all about that. Um, and there's some new stuff around a leveling system, which seemed kind of interesting. Yeah. It just seemed like a really, really cool game. Um, I'm, I'm really vibing it and, and really looking forward to it, to be honest. And keen to see when it's actually going to come out because they sort of teased it and it's been in development for a long time or they haven't really been doing much WB games Montreal because last game that they really released was from memory about 2013. So yeah, it's going to be like eight years since then when this game finally does come out. So Here's hoping it's actually earlier um, in, in the year rather than too late. Say so 2013. I thought they were, had worked on. Um, oh no, I'm getting confused. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused with Square Enix. Um, yeah, that's a different thing. So don't mm. mind me. Don't mind me. <laughs> it's all good. So just wrapping up the DC fandom. Like, wh- what did you think? Especially like, how do you think they executed the whole thing and you know launching it all? I was there for all of it, you know, signed up, I was in the, <laughs> in the interactive things. No, I just watched some videos on YouTube. That that was that was my overall thoughts of their overall mm. fandom experience. Um, I, it is it is good to have some news and cool stuff out there. Though. I will say that, um, you know, whether or not it's the movies, you know, seeing a trailer for, you know, Batman and, and <laughs> Zack Snyder's a friggin' Justice League cut, which apparently is going to be split into four parts I was reading before. And I'm like, oh my god, can you get even more pretentious about this goddamn Snyder cut? <laughs> um, but when it comes to the games, it's it's good. It's good to finally have these out there. I think for people that are fans of the uh, Arkham series and of what Rocksteady does as well, I think there's a there's a lot to love here. So I think it's, it's really great to have it out. Mm-hmm. And it is interesting as well, because, you know, we have mentioned this before, but it seemed like at some point, um, the, the parent company Warner brothers was looking to actually sell their whole games division, which would include these developers and, you know, against the suite of games and, you know, you'd presume that it'd be the rights to make the games as well. Like the IP for, you know, the whole sort of DC universe would go as one big thing if, if a develop like if a publisher wanted to buy all of that out. And I don't know, I think personally, like, I think this was a big positive to me. Like these, these, like everything they did here, it feels like DC's on the way up. Like the games look great. I'm really excited for them. You know, you'd have to see how they review and everything and when they come out, but the movies seem to be way more on track than they ever have been historically. You know, they've actually done some good stuff in the last couple of years with some of the movies, like Joker was amazing. Yeah, like, I, I feel like DC's on the way up here, so I, I kind of wonder if they go back, because it sounded like they were not going to shop the games division anymore, but, you know, maybe they will open it up again. Maybe this will spark a bit of interest in um, some of the big publishers. Yeah, and I think with with that whole divestment story, um, I don't. I don't think it would have been the DC IP though. Um, but obviously, it's Rocksteady's. It's got to no, be because, man because DC still would have would remain with uh, Warner Brothers property. So I don't think they would yeah, divest you, the. You, you uh, can the divest it though. Yeah, but they were yeah. talking about getting four billion dollars for it. Like, there's no way unless it's the IP as well. They just wouldn't get that amount of money. Uh, I I think that they would have retained the rights to the game IP. So they wouldn't get they wouldn't get four billion. There's no way. Man, <laughs> I'm like just giving you my thoughts, Sheesh. <laughs> well, I could say if you're wrong. 
<laughs> no, no way you'd pay $4 billion for Rocksteady and who else? Like, who are you paying for? Netherrealm? Mortal Kombat? Yeah. No, they're pretty not, big. They're but, pretty big. They're big, uh, but IPs. they're not $4 billion. No oh. way. Like, that's kind of what was rumoured. We'll agree to disagree on this one. No way, man. You had, um... Who was it recently that got bought out for $250 million? Oh, Sony bought a, bought a studio for $250 million and it's, like, insanely uh, better than than that. I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't add up to me unless there's some rights for... A, maybe it's, like, rights for 20 years or something to the DC Universe games or something like that, or 10 years. But not, not just the divisions themselves. There's no way they'd be able to get that amount of money. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to correct you somehow, <laughs> but, um, talking about business news, which I, I love and I'll argue with Swinney about it constantly. Apple, Apple strikes back. They are bringing a gun to Apple, uh, Epic's knife fight. They have gone hard <laughs> at Epic. And I think that this is going to be a back and forth between these companies and, you know, we'll jump in when we think it's interesting enough, but... Apple is just really, and I said this last week, I didn't actually think Epic had much of a case against Apple in their original suit, but then what Apple's done since has just totally baffled me, to be honest. They actually are seeking and, you know, have positioned that they're going to terminate the developer license, which means, like, that's not just for Fortnite, that means for Epic itself. So the Unreal Engine, which a lot of games on the App Store rely on, uh, they won't be able to have any of the developer tools. So they essentially won't be able to support the App Store um, as one of the avenues of using the Unreal Engine, which is really common, actually, especially with the big uh, mobile games. So this has actually caused a huge amount of issues for Epic. Um, and there's been a back and forth with the CEO, Tim Sweeney, directly to Tim Cook and other uh, senior leaders at Apple. And then Apple's fired back saying that Epic, they actually said to Epic, you can just reverse your update and we'll get you back, get Fortnite straight up back onto the App Store. And then Epic has seemingly refused to do that. Um, And then finally, Epic, which I love this, they've got an in-game cup, free Fortnite cup, in-game in in Fortnite. And uh, they've got a new outfit, which is the Tart Tycoon. So it's the the character that's like, you know, the spoof of... uh, the sort of big brother controlling character that was in the Fortnite uh, parody 1984 clip. So you can actually play as that character now and they've called it Tart Tycoon. <laughs> it's just, this is just nuts that these mega companies are fighting this out. Don't you think? Oh, yeah, we said last week, this is just like a corporate um, slap fight. That's, that's what it is. And obviously there's huge stakes. I'm not saying there's, it's not, um, but it is very much, uh, you know, it's big corporate versus big corporate. But I mm. think the, the biggest worry with this is the impact on those smaller developers. So, yeah, because they're caught in the crossfire. They have no uh, other than obviously agreeing to whatever license terms um, to use the Unreal Engine. Um, they have no real control over this. You know, they've, if, if Epic chooses to do this and then, you know, this... Apple do terminate. I don't know if technically they have terminated or it's just a threat at this point. But no, they're going to terminate. I think on the twenty eighth of August. And that yeah, and that's not that long or long away. No, so no, it's- and that's the, yeah, and that's why Epic is 
uh, sought a, a very urgent uh, filing against Apple and a motion to uh, restrain what they want to do. So yeah, I just confirmed. Yeah, it's twenty eighth I mean, of August. What if what if there's games that were literally in in you know the end of production cycle yeah. right now, yeah. and they they're due to go live in the next couple of months on the App Store? And what yeah. happens then if if they lose if essentially Epic can't support Unreal uh, as an engine on that store anymore. You know, what happens to those people? And because they they have essentially no input in what Epic are doing at all. And I know that Epic are very mindful of this, I'm sure. You know, they they get a lot of money out of their uh, licensing, engine licensing division, essentially put them on the map after, obviously, you, you know, they... Unreal itself and, you know, obviously the old, you know, the earlier Epic games. I'm not saying that they've only been around since Unreal, but other than, you know, those big um, Gears of War and things like that, you know, it's essentially been engine licensing until Fortnite. Um, mm. That's kind of been what has been the backbone of Epic until Fortnite blew up. So yeah, I'm sure they're very mindful of this, um, but it sucks for them, small devs, if they get dragged into it. Yeah, and it, like it's pretty far-reaching. Like, and I, I agree. I think they wouldn't have expected Apple to do this. I think they thought it, would have thought it was a risk. But it's to me, like it actually, like it's such an indic- in- indicator that they're throwing their weight around. It's it's, it's kind of unnecessary. It's such an indic move. That's what it is. <laughs> like, I, you know what I mean? It's just like they didn't need to do it. Like, getting Fortnite off the store is pretty. Like, I, I. I would have done the exact same thing if, if I was them, like taking it off the store, send an email saying, hey, reverse your update. We'll put you back up. Don't do that again. If they don't reverse it, okay, you're off. Um, because it would just be a domino effect if they didn't do that. But going the next step of removing them even access to the tools so that they can keep developing the Unreal Engine and, you know, just random games, just, you know, I'm just looking through it, you know, things like uh, Mortal Kombat and Injustice on mobile and like Hello Neighbor and all these kind of games, you won't be able to update them soon. Because once the iOS, you know, gets updated, Epic won't be able to update Unreal Engine. It means all of those developers are stuffed. So it's just, I don't know, it's very strange from Apple. I don't think it will hurt their court case now, but I think the, again, you know, as I was saying last time, I think from a regulator point of view, to me, it does look like, hey, they are really trying to throw their weight around here. And, kind of like that monopolistic sort of, you know, are they a service or are they a suited utility? It's going to really call into question. Um, so to me, this is like literally one of the most interesting things that happened in gaming for a long time. It's just so bizarre. Um, and yeah, I just really, really look forward to where it, where it sort of lands. I'm sure we'll be talking about it in uh, over the next month, at least Definitely. one or two more times. Definitely. And, and very much changing gears. Nintendo Indie World. So between our recordings, uh, Nintendo announced and then presented the latest Indie indie World Showcase. Now, just to sort of couch this, there's 24 games <laughs> in this. So I think we're trying to be a bit smart about how we're actually going to go through this and go through it in pretty much rapid fire. And the actual presentation's not very long. So it's about a minute per game or not even on average. Uh, so, you know, very much go and watch the video, but probably, you know, the first thing we should point out and, you know, as we do normally try to call out the big piece of news first that, uh, you know, Swinney's favorite game, Untitled Goose Game is getting a two player update, co-op update, 
and that's from Australia's own house house uh, developer. So, you know, that's coming out on the 23rd of September and it seems like that would be incorporated in the physical edition as well. So I'm actually looking forward to this because my wife struggled to get to play this game and solve the puzzles for Untitled Goose Game. So I think it'd be a really cool way for us to play it together. Just will be interesting to see if, you know, there's a lot of changes to the game because of the co-op. And, you know, I said that it's your favorite game. Have you actually played this game? <laughs> yeah, I've played it. Okay. Yeah. Do you <laughs> like it? It's, I respect the game. I just don't think it's a great game. It's yeah. like, it, I think it, it's funny. It's well, like, it looks great. It's audio design is really cool. Just the actual gameplay loop just didn't appeal to me. Um, but I would say that to me, this wasn't the biggest piece of news. Um, it was a certain game that we'll call, I'll call out when we get to it. So. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I think like for the kind of mainstream, it's probably the biggest piece of news and that's why they put it last as well. But yeah, so let's get through it. So what I've done is extensive research as I'll much as I could. that when we get to it. <laughs> Would it counter my extensive research or what's the no, biggest No, no. Well, you'll see. You'll see. Okay. Fair enough. So what I've done is because essentially this had a lot of ports. So really what I want to go through and think through, you know, what's interesting because it's the first time it's come out or it's the first time you can play it on a console versus PC or Apple Arcade, when is it coming out, all this other kind of stuff. So I'll I'll kind of rapid fire go through it and then maybe we'll pick out a few games that are interesting to us. Um, So games that are launched exclusively on Switch, so the first time we've seen it, Raji and Epic, an Ancient Epic and Evergate as well, they are coming out on other uh, platforms later. Uh, what's available now as a console exclusive, so it has been either on PC or Apple Arcade, A Short Hike, Takeshi and Hiroshi and Inmost. Uh, what's available now, and it's pretty much on everything, Manifold Garden and Spiritfarer, so that's also included on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, coming this year um, to the Switch as a Switch exclusive, but being on other places, Struggling, Grindstone and Hades. Coming next year as a Switch console exclusive, at least it hasn't been confirmed on anything else so far, is Bear and Breakfast, Garden Story, and Card Shark. New games coming out this year, and they're pretty much going on everything. Uh, Haven, Going Under, Gone 2, and The Red Lantern. Uh, new multi-platform console ports, so things that are going on multiple consoles uh, at the same time this year. Torchlight 3, Unrailed, and hype, hype no, sorry, hype no space outlaw, no. which is also going to be on uh, get Xbox Game Pass. Is this the one you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, but we'll we'll okay. I'll, I'm almost I'll, done. I'll give my thoughts. To the end. I'll give my thoughts to the end. <laughs> and then finally, the new multiplat console ports, but they're coming next year. Subnautica, Subnautica Below Zero, and She Dreams Elsewhere. Now, some of those aren't, you know, going on PlayStation or aren't going on Xbox. We'll, we'll post it uh, when we post the clip on YouTube where they're all going. But I think that's probably the best way to think about the games. So what, what was the one that really stood out to you? It's the one they started with. It's Hades. To me, that's oh, the biggest okay. story. Yeah, yeah. So that stood Hades, out to me as well. Hades had, had not been confirmed for any console at this point. Mm. It's only ever been a PC in oh, early access form. Is that right? Yeah. So it's on PC and early access, and Supergiant has a lot of name recognition. And not only Bastion Transistor were huge games, Bastion especially. But so to me, this was a big news story, not a bloody co-op mode in Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> Hades is is a title that a lot of people are looking forward to, and 
whether or not it's because they didn't want to play it in early access form or they were waiting for a console port. But to me, that's the one to uh, that stood out the most. And also, I will say, um, while it's not the biggest name game, I do love Hypnospace Outlaw. Um, and it's really interesting um, that it's got um, keyboard and mouse support on Switch, which is fantastic oh. because that game... Would you'd struggle to do that? Use that for control, I think, because the whole point is you're navigating around geo city style kind of you know old school websites and doing like cop- searching for copyright strikes and stuff like that. So, ah, oh, okay, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, because I saw that and I just <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised that they're allowing that. I know that generally the Switch allows for keyboard and mouse, like it's pretty pretty native for a long time in the Switch, but. You know, you don't normally see those things get activated or used. Um, That that game got a lot of buzz when it first came out, so it wouldn't surprise me if they actually got an exception if there is any kind of restrictions around it, simply Mm. because it's a game that when it comes out, um, even though it's not a new game, I think it will have a bit of a mini, potentially mini blow-up now that people are like, oh, you can use keyboard and mouse on the Switch, and this game's really cool, and it's got awesome soundtrack and visual style um and anyone hasn't checked out hypnospace outlaw uh it's also on xbox game pass which is great um and it's just a just a fun kind of old school just yeah i don't i don't know how to classify it's almost a game within a genre it's crazy Mm. and just going back to hades because that was one that really stood stood out to me um you know and um Supergiant games like have you know very storied history a lot of great games that have released and you know a really big thing for me you know a couple of things you know as we sort of spoke about at the start of the whole show um you know being a dad the switch is just like the best dad device that could ever exist you know people are calling out or whatever you just press the power button it just snaps the game deal with whatever you need to deal with gray if you have a bit of free time again you know, you can just resume playing, which is just freaking awesome. But I do love playing on PC as well as, you know, the other consoles. But Hades, what I loved is they actually are supporting uh, cross-play saving. So, you know, you can progress on the Switch, like, you know, know, and it just does it with the cloud, and then you could just go back to your actual PC and continue playing, Um, which is just like, it actually, it's surprising how critical it becomes for me as a selling point with these kind of games and i'm really glad that rocket league uh updating so they're going to change the whole progression system soon but games like skyrim which you know again i'm gonna start playing um for our game of some other year uh 2011 like actually made me really choose and think you know where am i playing that because you can't support cross play and cross save with that game so i'm gonna play it on the switch but, you know, I would have loved if that also supported me jumping back to PC and playing it on PC a little bit and then going back to the Switch. So, yeah, and probably, you know, from this indie world, the other big thing I wanted to just point out was it actually made me sign up to Apple Arcade to try out a few of these games. So I tried Takeshi and Hiroshi and a few other games. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Apple Arcade, I just... It, like, the games are actually very high quality, but it just... It feels like just a great idea, but just doesn't really make sense for that platform. And I'd love to know the numbers that they sell on that because it doesn't feel like anyone talks about Apple Arcade. And I know you you don't have any Apple devices, so you don't have it, obviously. But it's a good service, but 
I don't know. It just does. It seems a bit strange. And then you compare it to like Xbox Game Pass from a value point of view, and it's just you know kind of almost laughable, right? Well, I wouldn't say laughable. I mean, it's still a good deal. I think if you like the games that are on there, you're still able to get them for a pretty decent price, and you can cancel when you finish playing majority games you wanted to play. Assuming you know, I don't know how many new games they're putting on um, each month to Apple mm. Arcade. But there's some good ones on there. I can't remember. The, oh, really the, good. What's the title of that? Um, that synthwave shoot 'em up kind of game. Uh, what's what's the name of it? It's, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> trying well, to find the name of it. It's um, st- it's uh, got. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, I can't can't find Sayonara it. Wild Hearts. That's it. Sayonara yeah. Wild Hearts. So that's the game yeah. out of all of them that I want to kind of would have liked to play the most, but it's obviously not anything else. Just yet. unless they did, did they announce a switch port for that, or am I misremembering that one? So I think it's 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 out for the switch already, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. Actually, just check. It's out for the switch. It's oh, out yeah. on Xbox One, and and I think that's the weird thing about Apple Arcade because all the good games they're just porting them, which hmm. I kind of don't think is a really good sign for Apple Arcade, <laughs> to be honest. Kind of reminds me of the Wii U. Feels like every good game is getting ported because people are talking about it and going, "Oh, you got to play this game. It's just amazing." And people don't want to sign up to it or pay for a game on, um, on you know, sort of Apple Arcade. So, like, what the golf? A lot of people spoke a lot about that and ended up getting ported to Nintendo Switch. Maybe that was always their intention. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of games I want to play. I've got a free trial for a month. I'll see how I go. I try to get through most of the games that I, I'm interested in. Um, you know, there's Rayman, there's just a lot of games on there, man. Shantae, yeah, like Sonar, Wild Hearts. I installed so many, I ran out of storage on my phone. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, like, I, I think it was a good showcase. I don't know what your overall thoughts on the showcase was. It, like, you know, I thought it was good and I actually liked the pacing of it, just really trying to burn through it rather than drag anything out. It was a, it was a terrible showcase. They didn't announce a new Smash Brothers character. <laughs> no fair enough um and um sort of like you know to segue to the, our next segment there, there was one game i was expecting at the nindy showcase sports story so i thought sports story was going to be a part of this nindy showcase and you know maybe because of that they also actually came out so another aussie developer you know there's a lot of great aussie indie developers at the moment and they seem to be all in single states you know what i mean like queensland victoria south australia like you know it's, it's good there's cool. less chance of them spreading COVID to each other <laughs> exactly exactly but you know I, I was really pumped to hear more about this game because golf story uh is a really cool game uh came out in the launch year for the switch and you know this the successor to that sports story they were going to tackle uh more sports um and then it you know they basically come out and said that the game has become really, I think it's the game has become rather ambitious and it's moved from coming out mid 2020 to just TBA now, but you would expect it coming out next year. Like that would be pretty crazy if they extend it longer than that. It's not the kind of game you'd want to be spending four, five, six years on. Um, but yeah, they seem to be in a bit of bother. Did, did you ever actually play golf story? Yeah, I probably mm. played it before. Um, Oh no, maybe I didn't play before you because you had a switch before me. But I remember that um, we had no, we had another friend of ours. It's like 
<laughs> no, no. The reason I bring it up, we have another friend of ours that may even be listening to this. It's like, oh, Golf Story's awesome. I'm like, man, that game is like two years old. Yeah. I think no, you're confusing me with someone else. I'm, the thing is. I'm quite offended. I'm not, and I'm by the way, can I... A- I'm not having a go at them because it's a great game, right? So I'm glad that they got to play it. I actually only played probably the first couple of hours of it and have always, I've always left it there on like the homepage of my Switch or whatever you call it and mm. never kind of felt in the right you know, mood to play it, but I will go back to it at some point. Yeah, and it, it, like I loved it, man. It reminded me of, um, you know, the, the Mario Tennis games on GBA and it, it's just such a cool game. You know, and to your point around, have I have you played it before me? I think I I bought the Switch on day one that it came out, <laughs> and I actually bought this game, Golf Story, on day one when it came out <laughs> and played it. <laughs> um, so no, I I'd probably doubt it <laughs> that you've done that, <laughs> but um, you look like you know, ultimately it goes back to the Miyamoto son quote around you know, uh, and I'm gonna butcher it <laughs> right now because I put myself on the spot, um, but you know. Uh, <laughs> I've actually forgotten the quote. It's something like <laughs> a great game. No, wait, a bad game that's released early is bad forever, but a great game that's delayed could be great forever, which is terrible. You know, a, a telling of his of his very uh, eloquent quote, <laughs> which I should have never mentioned because it kind of doesn't apply anymore because you can update games. So I think there are many examples of bad games that have become great games. So. But talking about... Uh... Yeah, save me from myself. Save me from myself. Another game that's been delayed is Arcane. So, you know, Dishonored, mm. Dev, um, and Prey and, and whatnot. So they're pretty kind of, I wouldn't say it hyped because people always keep forgetting about it, but, but the PS5 launch exclusive uh, Deathloop, the stylist first-person shooter where you can apparently play as the assassin and the, like, the target and, and whatnot, and it's got like a whole time uh, gameplay uh, hook to it. That has also been delayed, and they've actually specified uh, quarter two, twenty twenty one. So it's a shame that would have been a good, um, you know, get that was a good get for Sony to have for their launch. Mm. But obviously, circumstances have prevailed. And and look, like there's a bigger topic here, but do you think there's any chance still that the consoles or one of the consoles will get delayed to twenty twenty one? I don't I mean, think, I know, when, when I say the consoles, P, PS4, uh, PS5, sorry, and Xbox Series X. I don't think so, but I think what we might see is we might see some regions not launch. Uh, like normally would do, most of the regions would get the consoles at the same time or within the same week. I think they may choose to be a bit more selective if there's any, um, I guess, limitations there. So, you know, obviously the US market, you know, you'd imagine UK and that. Um, so I think no, but it might affect it for some regions. Yeah, that's just interesting because you don't really see launch games getting delayed that have been announced as launch games. There are games that were intended to be launch games that never eventuated, and we found out later, but I can't actually think of any examples off the top of my head of games, and now we've had two in the space of a week that have been delayed uh, post-launch. It's just, I don't know... The fact that we still don't know when the consoles are coming out, how much they are, does make me question whether there is a chance that they, one of them will pull the trigger and delay it till, you know, Feb next year and they'll both just follow suit. Um, yeah, I, I still think that that's a possibility. I think it's more likely they'll release, but, you know, that there is still a chance to me. And, um, you know, 
<laughs> very, very different, different news, but Facebook. So uh, as, as you know, most of us would probably know that Oculus is owned by Facebook of the many things that Facebook owns. Um, and generally Facebook, historically, I should say, Facebook has always run things where just let people do what they want. Instagram is Instagram. It's not Facebook, Instagram, but they're starting to progressively change that. And now they're really pushing hard. So with Oculus eventually, and it's like 2023, so it's a long, long time away, but they are going to eventually mandate that you have a Facebook account to use Oculus and they're going to merge the Oculus, I guess the store or like the, at least the, the user identification with your Facebook account. And, you know, we've been chatting about VR and the whole VR space a lot. And just for context for people uh, who listen not from Australia, it's actually really hard to get other VR devices in Australia for a reasonable price. feels like we're a bit like Brazil where it's like ridiculous. So the one that I would definitely want if I was wanting to get into this space would be the Valve Index. But you cannot get that in Australia. Like you barely get it in America, but you definitely can't get it in Australia. So the Oculus was probably the most realistic for me versus the PSVR, which just feels like, mm, you know, maybe if there's PSVR 2 and it's better, maybe that would be interesting. But the Oculus was, you know, okay, this is kind of interesting. My mate has one. And now with this news about this whole Facebook thing, there is zero chance that I'll be getting an Oculus now. Like for me, this is just like, nah, no way. Uh, like, does this put you off it or you just don't care in general? Oh, it definitely puts me off it. Um, not that I was, you know, Thinking lining up to get, get an yeah. Oculus in general. I'm looking at, you know, VR as an option. I'd really like to try Boneworks um, as mm. well as, um, you know, obviously Half-Life Alex, Beat Saber and, and yeah. some stuff like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've definitely... Oculus is also very, I think, quite confusing in the way that it, it has approached it with all the different types of Oculus. Some of them obviously standalone, some of them requiring, uh, you know, PCs. Which you know, if you if you want, if you're serious about VR gaming, you're not going to get the standalone. But the standalone apparently was quite good for certain experiences and things like that. But I'm I'm not a Facebook user. I can't stand the platform myself, and I think it sucks. But the thing with this is what they Facebook bought Oculus, what, six years ago or something at this point? Oh, yeah, a long, long time ago. You know, they've given people a lot of time for this. So I can understand them wanting to actually kind of bring, pe- bring people into the same ecosystem. Um, but why? From a number of standpoints. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a technical thing. They've their, their reason is obviously, oh, we'll give people, make it easy to find and play with friends and stuff, which is nah. just a load of marketing crap. It's but, BS, man. It's. I think there's probably legacy Oculus systems they want to get rid of. That's that's my thought of it. They just want to bring it into mm. you know maybe a single sign-on style setup. So uh, it it does suck though. Anyone that's current um, you know Oculus owner and hates Facebook, and obviously anyone that hates Facebook and doesn't own one yet, you know it's going to affect them. But it's going to be interesting because ever since you know the whole thing with Palmer Lucky. Um, and him getting, I guess, outed um, from from the head of Oculus. Mm. I think they're, they're, when I say their stock, not their actual stock, but like their stock in the mind of, of, of gamers and consumers has dropped considerably since since then. So it will be interesting to see if this even people even care about it or are they just an afterthought at this point? Yeah, and, you know, 
you got to be really careful where you're positioned in the market. If you're just kind of middle of the road, you know, not really blowing anyone away, not really the cheapest option or a reasonable price option, I, I do think you put yourself massively at risk. So PSVR is by far, by by far, even further than the Virtual Boy, by far the most popular VR platform that's ever existed. More than the um, Virtual Boy? Really? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, I think I know the numbers off the top of my head. I think it's about 5 million units from memory. And I think it's maybe 500,000 units for the Virtual Boy. So there you go. It's uh, 10 times more popular <laughs> right there. But um, And I'm amazed it's not more than that, to be honest. But, you know, I think people are just wanting to get into VR, like on a base level, PSVR. And then when PSVR 2, which almost seems certainty to happen because they've almost referred to it, when that comes along, and if that is like a big step up, you know, basically, you know, playing almost like a 1080p almost versions of the games on much more powerful hardware, better refresh rates. I just don't get where Oculus stands then, because to your point, it's like, you know, it's the standalone versus the PC version. Because if you want to have the top end, you wouldn't go Oculus. You'd definitely go Valve Index. And when they get the production sorted, that's where you'd go. And if you want a more like streamlined version more, you know, reasonable price, you probably would go PSVR or most people would go PSVR. So, yeah, I just don't get it. And, you know, all this stuff about, oh, they need to do it for tech reasons or whatever, it's just total BS. They, Facebook doesn't really have a big line into the gaming market, you know, like the whole streaming market. They've tried to do it multiple times with Facebook gaming and really kind of have failed so far. Um, and you know, they care about eyeballs and eyeballs are going to streaming and it's growing rapidly. You know, it's one of the biggest segments in, in that demo they they really care about. Um, so they, I think they want a foothold in it and they're forcing people to go across to it. Um, starting from October for new owners. And like I said, this is now just put a line through Oculus for me. Like I have zero interest in anything that Oculus does from this point on now. Um, cause there's no way I'll get something that forces me to have a Facebook account just to play a game. Like, it's just crazy to me. Um, so yeah, no, it's going to be interesting in Zuckerberg's, you know, mission to run the world. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then <laughs> going on to another, uh, monolith, not quite the monolith we're about to talk about, but Microsoft. Yeah. So just a very small thing I wanted to mention here. So a couple mm. of, at the start of the month. A whole bunch of Xbox 360 games that were previously delisted were actually relisted on the store. And there's a whole bunch of them and they included like uh, Tom Clancy's Hawks. Um, what is it? Battlefield 2 Modern Combat, Combat. I think the servers aren't even up for that game anymore. Dirt 3, Fuel, a whole bunch. Oh. And then they were subsequently undelisted. So obviously it was a... <laughs> Not under this, so they were delisted again, I should say. So yeah. there's obviously a mistake here, but you had a whole bunch of people, especially in the achievements community. Um, and, you know, I got wind of this because uh, I frequent true achievements all the time. Yeah. And they, so obviously they ran out and they purchased these games and there was even some DLC that they purchased. And interestingly, and they've then, Microsoft has then refunded them for a lot of these games and and revoked the licenses, which 100% makes sense, right? If you've accidentally relisted uh, re games, wait, wait, you wait, didn't wait, have wait, the rights I, to sell. Can I just I, clarify? It, so when you say revoke, does that mean you've bought it, they've got it on their console, they're playing it, and then they actually pulled it from your console? 
so essentially, if you tried to load the game up and you're connected to the internet, you would the game won't, will not work. And really, now, yeah, from that point wow. onwards, I believe just for the you, people that bought it like that. Yeah. So essentially, they have removed the digital license of the game because these were digital games, right? So it's not like yeah, yeah. we're talking physical discs or anything. So basically, they've they've refunded them and revoked the licenses, which I understand wow. why because they didn't have the rights to actually release these games, especially the ones, some of the ones that were probably delisted because of music licensing reasons and things sure. like that. But sure. what I kind of wanted to, I guess, bring this up was uh, at some point I'd really like to have a bit of a deep dive with you about the whole concept of game ownership and oh, yeah. Where, yeah. where that sits as we move closer to an all-digital and streaming future because at that point, the you know, and it's all in their T's and C's, which majority you know ninety nine point nine percent of people don't read. Um, the fact that you no longer own these games, so I think we'll 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 figure out when uh, when it makes sense to have uh, a bit of a a special feature where we dive into that, because I think there's there's positives and uh, negatives about the whole thing, and obviously for yeah. these people, um, some of the people if they leave their console offline, they're able to play them again. Um, but as soon as they take them online, then then essentially they uh, they're out of luck. So yeah, because I think in this case it is fair because it's sort of like we've sold you something we didn't actually legally have the right to sell, and we've yeah. made a mistake. It's our error, so we're going to remove it from your your account and refund you all the money. Don't worry. I do wonder if the achievements still stick. I guess they would. I imagine they would. I can't. I don't think there's any. <laughs> Come on, case- you're the achievement expert here. <laughs> no. I, that's what I'm saying. I imagine they would. I don't think of any. There's any situation where achievements have ever been retroactively re- removed from an account. Mm. So I and, don't and, think and, that would. They would do that. And I am super keen to talk about this. I actually was thinking earlier this week that we should talk about this at some stage. The whole, you know, digital versus physical, and then the rights, and just the mm. the direction the industry is going with, with that stuff. So I, I think yeah, let's let's get it done. Let's like. Let's uh, you know, let's let's revisit it later because I'm really keen. I, and I think it's also probably our views from what I've seen are probably actually pretty contrary to the, to a lot of other people on it. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting chat about that. So you mentioned monolith. Now let's talk about the actual monolith. Yes, the most important one. Yes, the Melbourne <laughs> monolith. Oh man, I it's love gonna this. Be famous. <laughs> I love this so much. Don't so, patch it out. Don't patch it out. Okay, so Microsoft Flight Simulator, which launched this week, um, you know, obviously probably the biggest release release in a while, I'd say, and mm. currently features a gigantic monolith in Melbourne's northern suburbs, and I just love that one of the biggest releases of of, of the week is so connected to melbourne um you know which it's obviously a place in australia very close to both of our hearts and uh, that's where i currently yes. live and uh where you used to live and Was born grew up yep. yeah and it's so this monolith is it's certainly noticeable it's gigantic it's like it's a skyscraper our friend, but our friend spoke about it <laughs> So and, and, I, and I should I should thank. So we have a clip show on YouTube, Connor O'Kane. So we've used his video yeah. and we've credited him, um, who actually landed on the monolith. Oh, it's amazing, <laughs> and it's such a well uh, edited video. So yeah. credit to him. Check it out. Check it I, out. I think he's got subscribe. a. I think he's got a game on the Vita and Steam Store as well. So I don't know if it's any oh, good cool. or not. Yeah, check but, out um, the game. Yeah. So 
yeah, d- apparently the developer Sobo Games, obviously alongside uh, Microsoft Studios, apparently used OpenStreetMap for mm-hmm. a bunch of building data and. At the time, apparently, when they download that data, <laughs> that particular house in uh, North Melbourne or Faulkner or, or whatnot, and they mm. apparently was listed, instead of being listed as a two-floor building, was listed as 212 floors. So then it's replica- <laughs> it's basically replicated 212 floors in the game. It's amazing. I just This is probably my favourite news story um, of the last few weeks, I reckon. It's just the video. Just watch the video of it. Oh, my God. So I good. love it. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. And I actually, it's one of the, I know that they'll patch it out. They're going to patch it out. Oh, of course they will patch it out. But I wish like, you know, please Microsoft, because there's so much good buzz about this game, you know, and you know, my, my family won't listen to this podcast, but I've been like deliberating big time because my dad always wanted to know how to fly. I've, you know, as, as a gift, given him like flying lessons and stuff like that. But I think he's kind of at an age and his health and everything like that. He won't be able to get a pilot license. And I was like so thinking I threw the logic of like what I can do here of like how can I get him to play this game? Because I think he'd love it. Um, and this game has got such positive buzz. I was actually shocked because I didn't know that this game isn't available anything other than PC. Is it coming out on any other consoles? Like, you know, Xbox Series X or... So I think they've mentioned it's a possibility in the future. But, but why I... isn't a launch title? Like, what the hell? I feel like this would be massive as a launch title. But we don't know. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't. Uh, so yeah, That would be big. That would be I've big. Gotta, I... <laughs> I, I do have to call out, though, as much as this game's got a lot of credit, the way they handled the, the launch was very, very rough and frustrated a lot of people, including myself and... and mm. uh, some what was your about. experience? <laughs> so basically, you... You install a, a launcher, which is like one gig, right? Then basically, why is the launcher so big? Well, it's got, it's got a it's got a power that that ten second music loop. So basically, make any sense. you install you install the the launcher, and then come release day, it says there's a content update, which is ninety five gig or something, right? <laughs> which is not small, so but nuts. the problem is it's not small. <laughs> No, but in, no, but in current day, especially on PC, like that's not that you know. There's other games like that, right? It's that's just, pretty big, dude. That's pretty big. Yeah, look at Call of Duty. That's like a, at this point, like 150, 160 gigs. So. Yeah, but that wasn't launched. That was an update to the game, right? Anyway, that's that's beside the amount is yeah, not what I'm talking about, right? The frustration is the fact that. I left this overnight. I've got a pretty good internet connection, especially in Australia. Well, and I think you probably have a top 0.1% internet connection in and Australia. And it managed to download one, one gig <laughs> in failed, yeah. eight hours. So basically, <laughs> and I'm not the only one. So many other people are having issues. Mm. So they, they really royally screwed it up, but it got better. Like I was able to, to install it eventually. But the problem is that you had to leave the... It was, a, it was downloaded within the launcher, so you had to leave it open and running and it just absolutely <laughs> just thrashed your video card just on the installer but why i don't why? know i don't know it's ridiculous <laughs> and not only that unless you went to the volume settings oh. and turned down the volume for that specific app it played the which, same the same 10 second loop over and over again just, which most people don't know how to turn down like yeah, there's I, a special I, I, kind of app volume settings on youtube showed me and i'm like oh thank god yeah. i can turn that down so yeah Good on them for for making the monolith mistake, but yeah, the way they hand, the way that the launch was handled was very rough. So, 
Yeah, massive, massively. And I don't know, I don't get too worked up about those things normally because it's kind of operational stuff. They stuff it up all the time. It is what it is. What can you do? Um, but, I, you know, this whole Melbourne monolith thing, I, I desperately hope they have, like, you know, a cheat code or a setting or something in the game to retain it. Like, that to me would just be amazing. Like, if you're able to type in, like, Melbourne or something and it turns it back on, just well, for I like, mean, I mean, you know, there'll, be mods. there'll be mods, you know, at some point. So, <laughs> and, and just to be clear to everyone, the tallest tower in Melbourne, mm, from memory, Eureka Tower, I think that's eighty-eight floors from memory, yeah. or that that kind of order, you know. So having a two hundred and twelve floor skyscraper monolith, <laughs> like punctuated in the north of Melbourne, it just looks insane. It's just so awesome. I love it. I love it so much. I hope they keep it. Uh, and let, let's get into the bargain bin. Um, so as we always do, start off with Epic Game Store because they're very consistent with giving us some free games. So the free games this week, Enter the Gungeon, God's Trigger, and 3 out of 10, Episode 3. So that's a continuation of, from Episode 1 and 2. Um, you know, Enter the Gungeon, I love this game. I gush about this game. You have it on Xbox Game Pass. Now you've got it free on PC. Please play it. I want to hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> Um, and then next week, Hitman is coming out, uh, and also Hitman 3 has been confirmed. It's going to be an exclusive on the Epic Game Store next year. Another reason why people will hate Epic. And then finally, Shadow Run Collection is also free next week. So, just man, the hits keep on coming with yeah. uh, the Epic Game Store. Yeah, I'm super interested in trying Shadow Run. Um, I've just looked up mm, what's in the same. collection. I kind of wish they had uh, the port of the, uh, the SNES Shadow Run in there as well. That'd be cool. <laughs> it's not. Well, no. that was <laughs> developed from memory from an Australian developer as well. Well, there you go. So, yeah, they're usually quite generous, um, Epic, when they do have these collections for free. Like, they, you know, because people are a bit like, oh, are they going to, you know, give away one game or just a trilogy and all this other kind of stuff? And it's like, no, they just go nuts and give away, like, everything that they can, they, that's been ported to PC. So, you know, when they did the Batman games, they ended up giving away, you know, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, and then also the Lego Batman trilogy. Like, it was just nuts, all in one week. So, yeah, now I'm going to be interested to see what uh, games are on there as well. And moving to Nintendo Switch. So, normally we don't have any Nintendo Switch sales and Swinney did uh, sort of go through his picks but we finally do have that sale that we flagged a little bit earlier so we have the winter sale so this sale ends August 30 um, and you know all of these games that we are going to talk about are at their lowest price ever and I should just call out we'll go through uh, some games that are like under five dollars ten dollars twenty dollars um, and then just some other games that are out that are first party or of interest so first one is uh, Toki Tori 2 plus so, this is massively on sales, $2.25. I've bought this game. It's a bit of a Metroidvania. There's a really cool video on um, Game Maker's Toolkit that is around this game. And it's kind of like this idea that this game, you can do everything in this game from the start, but you kind of learn the mechanics through the game and then you could play it again and actually sort of, you know, get to the end, uh, which is kind of cool. So, this is a really well-regarded game and it's dirt cheap. And that's the under $5 game. The under $10 game, Enter the Gungeon. Yes, it is free on PC. Not everyone has a PC. Uh, and it is uh, on sale this week, so 50% off. So it's $8.75. Uh, 
Uh, the next game, and I thought this is quite topical, and this is under $20, Golf Story. So this is the lowest price it's ever been. It's $11.25. Fantastic game. And unfortunately, Sports Story is on sa- uh, is delayed. Um, so this will have to sort of fill your RPG sports sim uh, arcade sort of vibes <laughs> until, you, uh, until you're happy for next year. Uh, the next one is Fitness Boxing. And why I included this... Um, is and this is like under fifty bucks, so this is forty eight ninety five. Is fitness boxing? A lot of people rave about this game, and I think Ring Fit is probably the one game you'd want to get if you want a fitness style game on uh, the Switch. But you know, if you can't, and this is a digital game, you know, a lot of people that I know have, have this love this game. So fitness boxing, look at that if you want to pick up something while you're in isolation uh, to keep yourself fit. And then finally, I just wanted to mention. Uh, all the first party games, the key ones that are on sale, there's some more, but probably these are the big ones that I want to mention. They're all 53.30, you know, not the f- best price ever, but these are the best price they've ever been on, on this platform. And Nintendo doesn't often, uh, to, uh, put their games on sale. So I always want to call them out. So Luigi's Mansion 3, Yoshi's Crafted World and Splatoon 2. And especially with Splatoon 2, I think it's good to have it digitally, um, so, you know, again, you know, having these first party games for cheap is, is pretty cool. So it's nice to see a sale back on the Switch finally. And now over to Xbox. Yeah, so it's actually a pretty big week of announcements. Or mm. Some of these were previously announced, but a big update for Xbox Game Pass with 13 new games uh, being added or some in Which now. Which is nuts. Yeah. yeah and so, some new games, like brand new games. Yeah, so available right now, uh, we mentioned Microsoft Flight Simulator. So that's just on Which, PC. Which is crazy value. Crazy, crazy value. That's like a $100 game in Australia, and it's like a part of the Game Pass. And you'd imagine probably always would be a part of Game Pass. Yeah, because of the whole Microsoft, you know, published mm. games always being Game Pass, it's kind of like it. we were, we knew that it was obviously going to be in Game Pass because anything that they publish is. So, but that's cool. You also had on PC uh, Crossing Souls and Darksiders Genesis, which is great. On Xbox and PC right now, you can get Spiritfarer, which was was in the uh, Nintendo Indie Nintendo world, indie world as well. Yeah. Uh, Battletoads, which I'll be giving my impressions soon. Uh, mm. Don't Starve Giant Edition, New Super Lucky's Tale, Hypnospace Outlaw, and Tell Me Why Chapter 1, which was in the Xbox um, game showcase. You know, was wow. it our first episode or our second episode? I can't remember. Uh, I think it might have the first. Yeah. So, coming on August 28th, you have Double Kick Heroes on Xbox and PC, and a big one, Wasteland 3, Xbox and PC. So, I'm keen to try that out once I know that it's not broken, because the <laughs> version of Wasteland 2 on the Windows Store, uh, I purchased for 60 bucks and it was broken. So, I'm a little burnt by them, but hopefully, it's not the case. On September the 1st, uh, PC's also getting Crusader Kings 3, and... Probably the biggest game in this whole thing, other than possibly Flight Simulator, on the 3rd of September, Game Pass is getting Resident Evil 7 on Xbox and PC. So that's great. So good. Yeah, like, you know, (laughs) I I saw this really, uh, you know, interesting deal, let's just say, on how to get uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. I think that's what it's called. So that's the PC, console, Xbox Live, everything for about hundred Australian dollars for three years. And I was like so close to pulling the trigger, even though I don't have an Xbox. So it'd just be for PC. I'm like right on the threshold of, of getting onto the whole Xbox game pass thing. 
And then, you know, and this is the thing. It's kind of interesting. Then it actually made me go, oh, maybe I should get an Xbox as well if I get this Game Pass thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's the strategy, right? Like so- you, you said it, I think two episodes or three episodes ago and the whole tell me why thing that was from episode two by the way but um yeah like you know they really are service-led and it gets you interested in it from that perspective and then you're like oh okay i'll just get the whole ecosystem now that i'm on that the one thing to remember though if you're the kind of person that um purchases games and leave them for a rainy day it you know it doesn't work that way except for obviously the microsoft yeah. games so you know they, they they these titles do leave you know, there's a whole bunch of games that I've played and beaten and they're no longer on the Game Pass. So well, and, it does kind of change is... the, your approach a bit, especially if it's a game that's not published by Microsoft. You, you're going to want to play them right away, especially if it's a game you think is going to take you a good 50 hours to beat. Yeah, and I think that's where I struggle because, and you know, so like I, I did not give you warning of this, but, you know, I was so close to pulling the trigger. I sat down and said, okay, I'm going to look through every single game that's on Xbox Game Pass and then go, is this actually, should I get this or not, right? And I was like, hey, wait, I thought Red Dead Redemption 2 was on it. And I went through the whole list and I didn't see Red Dead Redemption 2. Am I wrong? Is that still on it? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, if oh. it may have been removed since. So but that... was it on it? Uh, I'm not sure. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I seem to recall that being an announcement at some point, but I mean, yeah. games that stay on for three months and then will oh, leave. Okay. No, so it did come on it and then it left. <laughs> yeah. So that's just the So it came on in the... May and then left in September. Yeah. That's still a uh, decent chunk of time if you wanted to play the nah. game though. So This is not for me. This is not for me. So this is like the thing. I'm like terrible with the backlog. And just with the whole kids thing, it's just like that's why, sometimes that's I have why more I time, it. sometimes I don't. That's why I yeah, went out of my way right, to mention right. it is that yeah, no, it's right. for people that tend to to uh, like acorns, you know, like you're a squirrel. I'm storing all these games through that rainy day. <laughs> it's not that's not the service. Like the service isn't like that. Yeah. But still, the value is still ridiculous. That I oh, have, yeah, yeah. I have gotten value out of it just by not having to pay for, for instance, CrossCode. You know, I would have yeah. actually bought that game if I didn't have Game Pass. And I've probably already made my money just by playing that this month out of what I would yeah. have spent like 30 bucks normally. So, yeah, you definitely, I'd say more than anyone, you'd get your money's worth from this stuff yeah. because you're more of an Xbox gamer anyway. And, you know, like the amount of value you'd get from just saving on Flight Simulator, maybe you'd never buy it, but, hmm. you know, you get a, you know, a lot of fun out of it, you know, 95 gigabyte download. <laughs> for you that's that's small that's nothing um yeah no yeah i'm really close to it i think if i did have an xbox i'd definitely get it um so yeah we'll see how the next gen plays out and which one i choose to get and not that we're not throwing love to playstation it just for us there has to be something really interesting and not just the general sales that they have on playstation at the moment so as they do have some really interesting sales there we'll we'll definitely highlight them as well and i'm really keen to win the game of the the year editions for some of the games that came out last year start to come out so we'll definitely call that out um but as you did uh, allude to your and i don't recognize the word impression your swim impression uh battle toads yeah so i originally i had a different game in here to give my swim impressions for this week yes and i was looking forward to seeing that <laughs> which was microsoft flight simulator and then I realized that, hey, I actually need to actually learn how to do this. <laughs> Just actually play this game a bit better. Um, it's, it's a sim. It's a proper sim. I it's know, I know. But I didn't feel like me 
detailing my one attempt at taking off from Tullamarine to fly to Point Cook and then just landing on the grass outside Tullamarine was a great impression <laughs> to to give our <laughs> listeners. So what I actually said was, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to download Battletoads, you know, it just came out. I'm going to give it a Ooh. shot. And we, Given uh, you love the franchise as we spoke about last week. <laughs> the good old monopoly, you know, of, of the video game world. So, uh. and the thing with Battletoads is not only does it have not a lot of buzz about it, but the the, tra- the trailers have not sold a lot of people on the game. And so no, I no. thought, yeah. you know what, I'm going to try this and see what I thought. And I've got to say... The game's not bad. The game's actually pretty decent. <laughs> I love your glowing reviews. The game's not bad. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty decent. I actually think this so far this game is definitely a way better game than the Nest Battletoads, in my opinion. That's not. Can, can that- I? Can I? Can I? Can I just jump in? <laughs> yes. Right? And I've got an interesting question. I know. Sorry. I know. Like you know, I'm I'm ruining your your vibe on this. But don't, don't you have a baby to go look after? Let me do my impressions. <laughs> Do you, do you think that this will become a cult classic in the exact same way almost as the original did? No, but I mean, not that many games become cult classics from major okay. publishers these days, I think, you know. So, like, something like Stardew is an example, I think, of it going from a cult classic to obviously a mainstream hit. But, but like, no one is playing this game, dude. No one is playing this game. Well... No one's talking about this game. Doesn't mean no one's playing it. So I think there's a difference there. You know, there's no buzz about it. That's that's to be certain. But I don't think the game was meant to be a buzz kind of game. It was just meant to be, hey, here's a love letter to to the community. We put out a new Battletoads game. Stop asking us for it. So, mm. but basically, okay. So I've only played probably about uh, probably the first third of the game, potentially. It's hard to tell with this game because it's I believe it's not super long, but it, you wouldn't want this game to be super long either. It, i got to say, we talked about, you know, brawlers, modern-day beat-em-ups, and how yeah. it's kind of... They're hard to find a place with modern game design. The Streets of Rage 4 might be an exception, and Scott Pilgrim might be an exception, Castle Crashers and that. i got to say my most least liked part of the this game is the brawler segments but they're well made oh really yeah they're well oh, made no. but no but oh, the problem no. is that not the problem but there's a lot to this game so this game has so many different like mixes of genres and between each level you do different things and i actually think it actually works quite well because that's kind of what battletoads has always been at least the original game um mm. And the, their approach to, so on the second stage, you're essentially doing like the turbo tunnel style level. And I believe there's one later anyway as well. That's actually handled really well. I actually thought that was really, really good. I had a blast doing that level and I'd like to play that on the hardest difficulty because oh, okay. I think it's even faster. And that okay. was really, really good. I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. I don't think the, especially at the start, I don't think the humor hits at all. Um, it's got a really cool concepts and they they play it up it's very self uh you know it's all about self-deprecation and things like that they're making fun of battle toads and the fact that they haven't been around for 25 years and then work it into the storyline but it does get better so i found that the jokes start landing a lot more as you kind of get used to it and there are times when it did actually make me laugh so i think that they, they it is a little try hard at the start but i recommend you know, anyone that was was interested in Battletoads but maybe thought the game was 
you know, had a lot of poor design choices, maybe give this a shot. It might actually be, you might actually enjoy it a lot more than the original. But it definitely obviously doesn't have the the character of the original. I think the visual design of the NES game to me is just much more appealing um, than the new newer visual design. So I'm going to give it a bit more of a, uh, a try. It's got some cool mechanics in it, but yeah, the I'd say the brawling is well done, but it's just not for me. I think it's that that's the reason why I don't enjoy those levels as much. It's just I, I'm just kind of moved on from that kind of genre, um, you know, since the SNES days. It's probably the last time I enjoyed beat 'em ups was on the SNES. So yeah, I'm I'm cool, keen to play more. I actually think it's a it's a pretty decent game. Mm. You know, like one of the other genres that reminds me of beat 'em ups is shmups. So shoot 'em ups, where you know, and I think we're both big fans of shmups and probably Ikaraga. Well, I'm not saying that right, am Ikaruga. I? Ikaruga. Ikaruga. Yeah. Um, Ikaruga. <laughs> Ikaruga. Um, is probably the last one that I really loved. Uh, you know, I get. Did that come out on the Game Boy? Uh, sorry, GameCube. Initially, I know it was uh, in arcades. Yeah, it was it was on GameCube, Dreamcast, and yeah. it got ports to 360, and I imagine PS3. Yeah. It may even be on Switch. I'm not sure. It is on Switch. I own it on Switch. Yeah. I actually also have uh, the Tate mode, like uh, dock oh, yeah. for the Switch. So I actually played it a lot on that as well. I love that game, um, but it does kind of remind me of that type of genre where it's sort of not falling out of favor of. I don't know if that's the right way to say. It. It's just not one that people absolutely love anymore. Um, well, did you yeah, know bat- the Battletoads yeah, also has bullet hell levels? Yeah, I've seen it. So, you know, in the in, <laughs> I was just looking through the gameplay footage, like someone just playing through the whole game. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. I feel like this game is almost guaranteed to come out on the Switch and other platforms because it's just, it's got no buzz about it. And it feels like, if they want to get their money back or any investment from this game, they're going to have to put it on other platforms because it's not, doesn't seem to be like a system seller. Let's just say. <laughs> I, but I don't think it was meant to be. I mean, this wasn't probably a huge high budget game anyway. I think I could see it on the switch. Um, I don't think you can see it on any other platform. I mean, it is still you don't think you can see it on PC. Is it on PC? It's already on PC. Ah, oh, okay. Sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, I on, right. I don't I know if it's on Steam, but it's at least on the Windows Store. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think you're right. So I think it would be only Switch. I don't see this at all going on PlayStation like Cuphead recently has. Because I think that's a bit different because that's such a seminal game. Yeah, but Cuphead also, um, I mean, at the time, the rights to Cuphead weren't completely owned by Microsoft, were they? No, but um, they had so much investment. It was basically committed as a timed exclusive that... They they themselves said it would never be on PlayStation, and then yeah, that yeah. that certainly wasn't the case in the end. But that, in terms, and I think of, that's. Fair I mean, enough. this is a Microsoft IP, so it's it's kind of different in that sense. I think it's like a wholly yeah, owned no, IP. I agree. So, agree, and I think you know, just naturally because Battletoads, I feel like everything from Rare has a more natural audience with Nintendo anyway, and like that audience. So you know, anything that gets released. Like, if they did put Rare Replay onto Nintendo, I think that would just sell disgustingly, like, I'm, the numbers. I'm that shocked that they haven't done it already, but I will also clarify that I believe the majority of development for this particular game was uh, from the Lala Studios, I believe. But obviously, it's a yeah. Rare IP. Like, it's it's just like... Yeah, it's so ingrained in Rare's history that 
this is, this honestly is probably the, one of the games that really put them on the map back in the day and got them to you know Nintendo to start working with them even closer. So yeah, definitely. And you know we haven't spoken about this beforehand, but you know wrapping up your your Switch impressions. You know, would you buy? Would you just say that people should go buy this game, or is this a sort of game that you should only play if you have you know free access to it through Game Pass? I reckon. I think this game would actually be a decent purchase in for very specific um, situations. So, first of all, if you've got someone that loves to play co-op games with you, because it's got co-op, but it's only local co-op. And apparently mm. the way that the co-op is implemented is actually pretty cool. Like even in bullet hell stages, I think different characters do different things. Um, so I think if, first of all, if you've got someone that loves co-op and also if you are interested in Battletoads, I think those two mm. things combined make it worth, you know, a purchase. But at that point, you might as well just get a month of Game Pass to play it because then you can also play other games. Yeah, it, yeah. The replay value of this game may not be very high because it seems to be you can get through it in about two to three hours, which is normal there, for like a predominantly beat 'em up kind of game. Yeah, there are some like collectibles and stuff, and there's scoring and things. So there's definitely reasons to replay the game. But compared to obviously a lot of other modern games, you're not gonna, you know, it's not like a Rocket League or anything where you're gonna get hundreds of hours out of it. So. Yeah, and it probably doesn't seem to be the quality level where... You know how, like, Super Metroid, I go back and beat that game all the time. So, because it's such a great game, you really love going through the whole thing. Whereas it probably doesn't seem like this game has reached that threshold. And it probably doesn't have the budget for it, to be fair, as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's, yeah. De- it's decent. I think nice. it's, it's much better than I expected. So, uh, good on them. Nice, nice. Thank you for your swim impressions. Well, that wraps us up for this week's episode of Big Week in Gaming. As always, uh, make sure you feel free to reach out to us either on our YouTube channel, so just search for Big Week in Gaming, or directly on Twitter, at BigWigPod. Um, and, you know, we'd love to sort of, you know, have the conversation. There's been a lot of debate around certain things in Australia that maybe could be a future topic down the track around is Nintendo the biggest platform in the 90s or not? Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of different opinions on that, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and then also, if you really want to help our podcast grow, make sure you give a five-star review or a thumbs up or share it with your friends, because that would be the best way for us to grow. And with that, bye-bye. See ya.